Live from WCHL Studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, it's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with Chris and C.L. Brown. This week, we're hitting from way deep with Tar Heel, NBA, and Coaching Ranks alum, Shimon Williams. Shimon sounds like a regular verb. Hitting a deep, deep shot and watching your rival cry, that's called a Shimon. Winning the unofficial fashion contest with a hat from the Southern Miss Thang collection, that's called a Shimon. Listening to a great show with Brawlin' Brothers, that's called Sibling Rivalry Sports. Uh, hey, uh, hi, uh, Mr. Miyagi. What are we going to learn about today? We are going to learn about listening to sports radio. Uh, sports radio? What, what is that, a new game like hockey that you, you play it with radios? Boot to the head. Ow! Ow! Mr. Miyagi, I, what, what was that? What was that? Danielson, you must focus and concentrate. This is an important matter. I want you to learn and glean from a show called Sibling Rivalry Sports. Uh, okay, okay. Like, like, what's the rivalry and who are the siblings? Boot to the head. Ow! Uh, Miss Miyagi, that stings incrementally each time you do it. Danielson, listen to me. Sibling Rivalry Sports is unique and informative and worthwhile. It features C.L. Brown, senior writer from TheAthletic.com. TheAthletic.com? Wait, wait, wait. wait. I I know what that is. I know what TheAthletic.com is, okay? No boot to the head. Good, Danielson. It also features his brother, Chris Brown, co-author of Thunder Sports Network. Thunder Sports Network? What is it? Oh, 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 wait, wait. I'll Google it. I'll Google Thunder Sports Network. Boot to the head. Danielson, you should not be Googling anything. He's been promoting that for months and months on end. Listen, it is time to kick off the show. And if you are interested in March Madness, Danielson, you will listen closely and grow more wise in the way of sport. Okay, Mr. Miyagi, just one question. Yes, Danielson. <laughs> what, what is what is much madness? <laughs> I will not give you a boot to the head. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Mr. Miyagi. I will give you karate chop 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 chop. Ow! Sibling rivalry sports! Yes! <laughs> Flashback! I like to think I helped inspire that, huh? <laughs> really? How, how's that, CL? Because I just ran in Tokyo. Oh, of course. You ran it. Okay. I, I thought you were saying you used to give me boots to the head. I thought no, that no. Was. I oh. mean, I, if I can and I will, though. <laughs> you will. Biggie if I you need will. To. If I need to. <laughs> that's not in the past. That's in the present. <laughs> yeah, you ran a marathon in Tokyo, CL. And you look good and well, man. Um, how'd that go? Thank you. Um, I mean, it was slow. <laughs> That so? time, but was it slowed down because of the fact of the trip and everything? No, no, okay. it, it was more because it's it's the middle of basketball season. I couldn't train the way I would have liked. I didn't meet every run. I didn't run every mile on my training schedule. But mm-hmm. um, but no, I mean I was pleased. Anytime you come out of running a marathon without injury, mm-hmm. you're good. So <laughs> I'm nice. good. Way to go. Number four out of six world uh, majors that I'm trying to finish. But nice. that's neither here nor there. We got a big show coming up. Mm-hmm. We do. We got a big show and we got a big playback. This is the big payback. Big payback. 
big playback Lonus, your consonant, and we'll tell you no lies, folks. Uh, today, we got a very interesting topic, and it's relevant. Senior Day. Should it go away, or at least change? Yeah, so I, I was thinking about this, you know, years ago, actually. It, it might have been might have been in 2015 when I when I really thought about doing something on it writing wise but I I'm under the impression that Carolina needs to re-examine its tradition of starting seniors starting all all uh, you know every senior on the roster on senior night well this year it didn't matter because all three seniors Kenny Williams, Luke May and graduate student Cameron Johnson are starters anyway. They didn't have any extra walk-on senior or anything like that. But first and foremost, every other year on the schedule, Duke is the final home game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever, 95% of the time, there are ramifications. <laughs> there, there, there are big stakes in, in terms of oh, winning sure. that game yes. or winning or losing that game in terms yes. of seeding for the ACC tournament, mm-hmm. seeding for the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. possibly regular season ACC titles on the line like mm-hmm. like it was this year, mm-hmm. um, trying to keep in step with Virginia, that kind of stuff. So to pull somebody who hasn't played a walk-on perhaps senior or, or a senior who's just not heavy in the rotation – um, I think I think it just disrupts a natural flow. You could Carolina could have a lot of momentum as a team going into that game, and then you're starting a different lineup. However long, it usually it doesn't even last that long. Like it's usually you know sure. minute, two minutes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I just feel like now is not the time. Every possession matters. Now at this point in the season, isn't the time to to disrupt the lineup like that. What say you? <laughs> well, so, CL, to me, it is the ultimate. I'm sitting here actually trying to think, okay, what is the situation? Have I ever had a situation where I had to ask CL to have my back because he is my brother? Just a situation, I don't know, back in the neighborhood, back in the day or something like that, where I had to ask my brother to have my back. And I, I think I could think about a couple. I could think about a couple situations. And I was 100% that you had my back as my brother. And I would say that translates, that brotherhood translates to the team. Yes, the fact that it's high stakes means, number one, that I, as a walk-on player who's a senior, have to have my brother's backs and that I need to put it all out there and shock the world in what I do. So I have to do it like that. And also, if I falter, then my brothers have to have my back and come out there and make it right. It is exciting I think it gives it, it, it really gives just a validation to these players and to their journey, to, you know, their journey to getting there to that hardwood for that those couple minutes that night. It's so exciting. We can't do away with it. Got to keep it. Well, here's the thing. Like, times have changed. There, this isn't a roster, and it's not just Carolina. It's, it's college basketball. Unless you're like on a mid-major level and below where it is more traditional and you recruit a guy and he's there for four years and you could do something like this with without it being as much of a disruption. But nowadays it's like, first of all, your best players don't make it four years because they're going pro and that kind of thing before that, that time ends. Okay. And 
Sometimes you're bringing up a walk-on. You have a walk-on senior on roster who that might be his only year on the team, his first and only year on the team. Okay. So it's not to me. It's not the same. Like oh, you're see. not rewarding an entire journey. You're rewarding the sprint part at the end. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay, so like a walk-on senior. Are you saying this is a guy who might have played JV for three years and then yes. Okay, well, that's his journey. His journey was playing JV ball and however he got. He didn't transfer here and walk on as a senior. He's somebody who he's had a journey. The journey has not been at the varsity level, but he finally made it. And, and you know, knowing that he's not going to get a lot of play time, when he finally gets those two minutes, let him shine. Getting in the game should be enough. Getting in any game should be enough if you're a walk-on in that situation. It it shouldn't have to be, which is my point, which is why I say revisit it. Like, what if you started all seniors the first game of the year, the first regular season home game of the year? What if what if that's your tribute to the seniors and that's, what, that's your reward, allowing them to start? You're still starting a game at Carolina mm-hmm. that you otherwise wouldn't start. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, the first regular season game mm-hmm. is an opponent that Carolina should beat. Right. Nothing mm-hmm. is at stake at that point because yeah. even if you lost the game in November, nobody yes. would be, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to drag you down right. <laughs> seating-wise right. or anything right. like mm-hmm. that. And it's not mm-hmm. going to cost you an ACC title, Sure, perhaps. Sure. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, playing, uh, I don't know, um, FIU or Hawaii or somebody, it's just different than playing Duke. The rival for Carolina. You have to get it and put it all out there because of everything that's on the line. I just, I love the idea of that being on a young man's shoulders for if, if for only a minute. Well, I, I just think that you, you can't give away possessions, man. See, is a game loss, though? Is a game loss on those possessions? Actually, in what year was that? 2013, I feel like it was. Because Duke came out, I, I remember Seth Curry um, hitting threes. Like, they came out and the game was over by the time the walk-ons. Uh, that, that was a 16-point home loss, uh, 69-53 mm-hmm. um, to Duke. And, and I just remember Seth Curry coming out, hitting a couple of threes early, and Duke never trailed. They were up big, double digits in the first half, and it was like that was it. Like <laughs> Carolina never got in that game. Well, you know, for me, I would be more motivated to to make the comeback if if something like that had happened. I'm just saying, motivation wise. But why would you even put your team in a position where you're you're they're going to be behind? Well, but I, I I posed that question to Roy Williams at his press conference this week. And uh, Roy got a little choked up. Because some years it's it's a walk-on who hasn't really played, and you're playing Duke, right. and there are all kinds of implications, and you're yeah. starting to see. Why, why is it important to keep that tradition? Because they'll remember it for the rest of their lives. That they started a game on senior day. It's pretty easy. Thanks, guys. Which, obviously, I respect that. But I also think that... It's something that could wouldn't hurt to look at it again and, and just re-examine if this is still because it's just it's just different to me. It's different. Twenty nineteen is a lot different than when Dean Smith first started this tradition way back when. Like it's it's different dynamics we're working here. Cannot deny that, and we got some different dynamics coming up now, CL, because we have a a, a Tar Hill joining us. Um, a name when it comes to basketball that you will recognize. It's Shamond 
Williams. I feel like I should say 4-3 after that. <laughs> Simon Williams for 3 He's going to be right here for, you know, uh, about a dozen or so here on 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill. We have a former Tar Hill in the house, three-time Final Four uh, participant, former, uh, well, I hate to say it, Shaman Williams, but former all-time leader in made three-pointers at Carolina. But we welcome you on here. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you having me. Was there a little discrepancy in that that three point citation there, Shimon? I think there's something that should be pointed out about that. Um, well, I mean, if you you really look at it, I guess some could say you know I did mine in three years as opposed to four years. Boom! Because I ain't really played my freshman year. <laughs> Boom! Uh, Thank you. Yeah, but you know, records are records are made to be broken, and uh, it, you know, a great young man broke my record. So, yeah. Hey, Mark's I'm okay page. with that. I, that. I've been blessed enough to have a few more. So that's right. No doubt, no doubt. Well, we we're we're glad to have you on as yeah. someone who can give us perspective. Uh, you know, this was being Carolina Duke week in the finale, and I, I wanted to start by asking from your experience from from outside looking in as somebody who never played in the game. It always feels to me like the bigger buzz is the first game, and the second game is not as not quite as hype as the first first meeting in the in the you know for that season. What how how did you feel about that? Um, well, I mean, you you actually never understand the magnitude of the game until you're a participant, and then until you play in the first game, and then you get to see, you know, how intense the game is and and you get a great understanding of the story rivalry. And so, you know, for me, uh, being, you know, a participant in the first one, um, you know, you just in awe of just the environment. And, uh, and so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the best rivalry in, in, in sports, I would say. Um, there's a lot on the line each and every game and no matter what the teams are ranked it's going to be a great basketball game and, and everything that's done before and after really goes out of the window and so when you look at those types of things it, it really helps you appreciate what the rivalry is but you have no idea of what you're going to partake in until you, you're actually in that game <laughs> You know, you're actually in that game. Yeah, it, as just from an individual perspective, what is your favorite moment? Uh, you know, from something that you did in that game. Uh, it would probably have been the end of my sophomore year. Uh, we played over in Cameron uh, at our, um, and there was their senior day. Mm-hmm. And uh, before the game, um, Coach Smith came to me in the locker room, and uh, he said to me, he said, Shimon, uh, I, I want you to to go out and just enjoy the atmosphere and, and play like you're capable of playing. And um, I, found, I found it to be kind of strange. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that – 
confidence that he gave me and, and the opportunity and I knew that you know, he was going to allow me to play I mean pretty much and play you know the way I was capable of playing I, uh, I went out and I think I had I had like 30 points that game 29 points somewhere around there and we were able to beat Duke and Cameron um, and so uh, I think that was probably the time I felt like all the hard work that I had put in and and trying to gain some respect, uh, I felt like uh, that was a point in my career where you know, I could possibly say that that I had arrived. <laughs> this is kind of neither here nor there, but I, I was curious, um, you know, with the tradition Carolina has of starting seniors uh, uh, here at home um, on senior night, Seniors in now this day and age, it's a little different because a lot of guys don't even make it, especially if you're, you know, one of the elite guys coming to Carolina. You don't even make it to your senior year. And that being said, sometimes you're starting a walk on who hadn't even been with the program four years necessarily. And you're putting it in a position every other year anyway, where you're playing Duke in a game that's probably got some stakes to it. So I, I was just wondering from, from I, I was wondering if that tradition needs to be, uh, you know, needs to be reexamined if they if they need to to sit back or from your perspective is that something that can't be touched that shouldn't be touched it should just be left alone as it is. Well, with me uh, being groomed under Coach Smith um, and how successful he was uh, as a coach and what he stood for as a person. Um, everything that he did, uh, there was really no reason for me to question. And so even to this day, uh, with with the things that he did, it was bigger than just basketball. And so I think, you know, continuing that tradition uh, is extremely important. Um, you know, I just, you know, I'm, I'm just a believer that, you know, there's nothing that he did uh, that was that was detrimental to the program, nor detrimental to the individuals that participated. And so, regardless of what the standards are, regardless of what the circumstances are, um, I think, you know, the things that he implemented and he put in place uh, was actually for these times. I mean, you look at some of the things he did. I mean, when you know, year after he passed away, he made sure all his players uh, got a check from him and to say, "Hey, you know what? Uh, have dinner on me." Did you actually spend that money? No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I had my check on the wall. <laughs> nice. And uh, and uh, you know, so you know, the things that he did, he he wasn't thinking about the immediate gratification or the immediate situation. He was always thinking ahead. So, with that being said. Um, I think that that's a tradition that needs to continue regardless of what the magnitude of the game is uh, because it lets you know how important it is to be a part of that program. And regardless of who you're playing, regardless of what the ranking is, and regardless of what others may think, you know, they have to understand that our program is, is, is the program that I feel like everybody else uh, emulated. And it was for a reason. And uh, and so when you when you have that type of standing, you have that type of uh, uh, tradition. You know those things need to continue, and and no one needs to even even consider altering anything. All right. 
Interesting. Very interesting insight there, Shimon. This is Chris. Hey, okay, I got a blast. If we just take a quick time out here, I got a blast from your past. Time out from the, the, okay. the inside basketball talk. Blast from your past. All right. So, Shimon, you're coming into Seattle. You're coming into Seattle. You just arrived in the town, and someone tells you, hey, I got a guy that I want you to meet, to sit down and meet, because he went to Carolina, just like you did. And so you went, and you sat down at a pancake house, a pancake restaurant, and talked to a brother who uh, who was from the University of North Carolina. You guys had breakfast, said your what's up, and whatnot. Do you, do you happen to recall that? Do you happen to recall that time? I'm trying to. Because, um. you know, it's not something that happens that often. But the reason right. that I bring it up is because that was me, Shimon. That uh-huh. was me. It was Chris Brown. Yeah, man. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was out yeah. there. Who was it that put it together? Oh, man. I want to say Al Valette, the chaplain. For, got you, got yeah, you, got you. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Because he was he was on staff at my I was on staff at the same church as him, and so uh, okay, got you. Yeah, man. I was like just to be a little bit more specific. I remember that when you said the pancake house. I, I remember. I said okay. I do kind of remember that. I do remember that pancake house because I'm 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 a fan of pancakes. So yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. It kind of it, it kind of stood out to me a little bit. All right. Well, good, good. Well, pleasure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Pleasure to talk to you some some twenty years later. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, Question. I was like, uh, Pastor Al, I'm I'm a little out of my depth here. You know, I'm cheering this guy on hardcore as a Tar Heel, but you know, I mean, I, I don't know what I can. He's like, yeah, you need to, you know, show him the ropes. I'm like, what am I going to show him? <laughs> what am I going to show him? First of all, I've only been here up here like two years, so you know, just but. just to fill in the blanks, this is when Shaman went to the Seattle SuperSonics in uh, 1999, the 1999 season. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you you were in Seattle three years, is that right, Shaman? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you would you say they've lost the Sonics and they're talking about things up there? They're you know getting expansion, an NHL expansion team for hockey, but they want they want the Sonics back. They want a team back. What what would you say? Have you paid attention to that at all? Would you say that they're yeah, going I, to get a franchise back up there? I, I, I'm not I'm not privy to the information of what uh, Adam Silver would do, but I will say I feel personally that 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 city does need another NBA team. Uh, they do need to have the signs back because I think they have the infrastructure, uh, they have the support, and uh, you know there's a, there's a need, and uh, I, I just feel like uh, it's one of the best cities in the in the in the country. Uh, they have great people, uh, the fan support is outstanding, and um, you know I, I just really feel like it would it would behoove the, the NBA to have another franchise uh, back there in Seattle. Uh, you know, hypothetically speaking, I would probably say somebody probably needs to buy the LA Clippers from Balmer and hmm. then allow Balmer to be the owner of the team in Seattle. Interesting. Because, you know, he was out, he's an outstanding supporter of the Sonics. I mean, he sat back beside the bench. I mean, just a great person, you know, great, you know, he's a competitor, he's a fan. I mean, he, he was just, you know, he was an outstanding individual, you know, back then when we were playing. So it was really great for him to be able to get an NBA team um, and do some things um, with the Clippers. But, 
you know, moving forward, if I had anybody that I would say, hey, you know what would be who would be a great owner, and um, you know, help that infrastructure get back to where it once was uh, in Seattle, I would say Bomber would be the individual, hmm. especially with him being from Seattle. That's right. Interesting, interesting. Hey, by the way, speaking of sitting next to the bench, I just wanted to let you know I'm still looking out for those courtside tickets that you never promised me. So I just wanted to, you know. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when the, I made that promise up in my back, mind. Okay. When the signers go back, then we'll Nice answer. You get those. No doubt. Hey. You get those tickets. Well, uh, we're talking with Shabon Williams uh, on 97.9 The Hill. I, I wanted to bring it, get you to put on your coaching hat now. Um, okay. uh, you had different coaching stints. Uh, the last was with Western Kentucky. You was also uh, with Tulane and came back here and played a game in, in the Dean Dome um, against the Tar Heels. But I, I was curious with the the – latest round of the you know FBI investigation and in the court situations um, uh, where now we've actually seen guys were sentenced to jail time like like to me now this is the point where it got really real like up until now I felt like a bunch of it was just like I want to wait and see what happens but what what is your take with just you know the investigation because I I still feel like I'm still not sure a, a crime has been committed NCAA violation sure but an actual crime I'm like how did we get to this point where we're putting people in jail for recruiting you know what I'm saying so I, I was just curious you know your take on how how deep you feel like this goes and and what will happen as a result of of these uh, sentences. Well, I mean, I, I can't, I can't go against the U.S. government about what they feel like is a crime and what is it. Um, you know, a lot of times things are done, people don't even know that it's a crime. Uh, in some aspects, some people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've always, I've always thought that a lot of times the intention has to be taken into account. But even when you take into attention, intention that still doesn't mean a crime that hasn't been committed. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of back and forth that you can go into about uh, those things. And, uh, and, and knowing those individuals, I know that those individuals are good and good people. Um, you know, I do know, I know them personally, you know, a few of them personally. <laughs> and so uh, I, I think that in all actuality, I mean, you look at the information that's come out, you look at some of the information that hadn't come out, uh, you know, this this isn't something that that just started. I mean, it's something that's been going on, you know. And, and unfortunately, uh, previous times, nobody ever thought that it was a federal crime. And so I guess it ends up being a federal crime. So now people know that you know, <laughs> other than it being an NCAA crime, it can also be a federal crime. So, I mean, it's it's it's, it's interesting to see um, the things that are taking place. Uh, I was just con- I, I was more interested in seeing like um, you know a lot of the a lot of the other names that were involved. Um, you know, you just find you didn't find out what 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 actually took place and what didn't. And so, I mean. The U.S. government has a job to do, and uh, and and rightfully so. 
Uh, they have to make sure that they do the things that are, are going to benefit uh, everyone. And so I guess if they if they feel like a crime has been committed and they were able to prosecute it, um, whether we understand the, the, the depths of it or not, um, you know, it is what it is. And so, you know, I, I wasn't expecting anybody to get any jail time because, like you said before, uh, a lot of us from the environments that we come from, we, we kind of understand what a crime is and what a crime is <laughs> in our in our own mindset. But you know, there's other things and other information that we're not privy to that that you know maybe they were able to use. It's unfortunate because a lot of those guys that were sentenced, they're good people. They're good people, and and hopefully, you know, they have an opportunity to you know to continue to show people you know, who they are as individuals. And so, uh, you know, difficult, difficult situation, but uh, I'm glad that it's been brought to the light because in all actuality, I think the model of the NCAA is is broken. Yes. And I, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that there is amateurism as much as they, they want to say it's amateurism. Hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, it's changed. Yeah, has changed dramatically from the time that they they wrote it, and uh, and uh, I think I, I think all those things have to be revisited uh, because of you know the financial ramifications that come that come with um, what's being given or what's being sold to uh, to the. You know, to the people and to the media market, and and so on and so forth. So, yeah. it's, 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 it's something neat for me personally that needs to be revisited, and uh, and um, something needs to be done that's going to benefit first and foremost, benefit the student athlete. Second, benefit the institution, and third, benefit. Uh, you know, the people that support me. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Shaman, you are you fall into the category of pure shooter. That's why you're such a joy uh, around Chapel Hill and Tar Heels love you. Uh, oh, by the way, I want to put an asterisk by the, what my brother said earlier in the intro when he said you're a former Tar Heel. That probably is proper for a journalist, but me, I can just say whatever, and you know that 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 card don't expire. Well, former Tar Heel player. No, sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> that card don't expire. I think the song says Tar Heel dead. So you. But uh, anyway, uh, hey, what would you say, because you're talking about the changes in the game and that type of thing, what would you say to a young athlete coming up, what they would need to do in order to, in general, you know, in order to become more of a focused shooter, more good at the art and science of shooting that ball? Um, I would say, first and foremost, I think, uh, it's all predicated on self-discipline. Mm. At the end of the day, it's all predicated on self-discipline. Um, your work ethic, making sure that you do the right things each and every time that you, you shoot the basketball, which translates to life. Make sure that every decision you make, you're making a, you know, the right decision. So you're making a decision for the right reason. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, having the focus of saying, hey, you know what? Even though I missed that shot, 
I'm going to still stay, you know, stay focused and continue working and uh, just keep applying the things that I've been taught because they're going to work out, uh, you know, staying on the path. And so um, I think those things are important in becoming a, a great shooter. And then, you know, more than anything else, you have to be willing to fail. Hmm. You got to be willing to fail. And when you're willing to fail, then that allows you to go beyond, um, you know, hype that you ever thought for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, uh, you know, I, I wasn't afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having that mentality really benefited me a great deal because when it, t- it came time, came time to to take a shot or to make a shot or um, you know that you know it was it was water underneath the bridge um, but you know I, I think a lot of times you, you, people just say well you just gotta go in there and shoot you gotta go in there and shoot no you can't just go in there and shoot There's a lot of people just go in the gym and shoot and not become great shooters what you have to do is be able to apply pressure on yourself while you're in there shooting um, you know like you know a lot of people say let's go in the gym and get some shots up I, I don't like that term. Why am I just going to go in the gym and get some shots up? No, let's go in the gym and get 100 mates. Let's go in the gym and get 300 mates. Hmm. Not shots up. Shots up don't benefit you. In my, if you want to be the best, it doesn't benefit you. It's going to then being focused to make shots. And so everything that you do, you got to have the self-discipline of saying, hey, you know what? I'm doing this to make shots. Nice. You know, I, I'm focusing while I'm shooting that somebody's hand is in my face. You know, you you know you have to you have to have role play. You know, so so that's what my problem was. <laughs> I, I just I just went in to shoot, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you just went in there, and so you can't you can't do that. <laughs> no doubt, it's not just going to be the shot. There's going to be a lot of other stimulating uh, factors that that go into that, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know that's you know those are things that you have to try to place on yourself each and every day when you're in there so you can now you can have you know possibly have some success at it no doubt well uh, our time is up Shaman we're going to queue up we're going to queue up the the atomic dog and let you hop out on this one I just just got one final question for you Um, I wanted to get your take on your prediction on will Carolina earn a number one seed going into the NCAA tournament um, I'm very hopeful that they will. Um, I don't know, you know, <laughs> nowadays you don't know, you know, what the NCAA is looking for when they when they are, you know, deciding who the number one seeds are. Um, but I, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, Carolina uh, has a great game Saturday. Um, then they play well in the NCAA, I mean, the ACC tournament and win it. I think it would be kind of it would be hard for them not to have or receive a number one uh, seed in the tournament. Uh, so uh, I think the guys just stay the course, stay focused, uh, keep playing the type of basketball that they playing, but more importantly, even even become more fierce and and, and push themselves even even greater. I think that uh, they can. They can do some things that a lot of people probably didn't think that they were capable of doing at the beginning of the season. Indeed, indeed. Well, we appreciate you joining thank our you, show, Shaman. Keep it locked uh, here. It's in 97.9 The Hill, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. And we're going to chill talking about some football now. I, You know, CL, I'm keeping... I'm keeping you, 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 you pure and balanced, and 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 yes, because I bring in football. I find a way. Actually, you know what? See, I don't have to find a way. I'm telling you, there are stories that just keep popping up. Yeah, that's the way the NFL wants you to think. That's yes, the NFL, the brain, the brainwashing. No, listen. Because let's be clear, though. Okay. Hunter Thompson has a piece on ESPN.com. You should read it. It's about the NFL Combine. And it's basically like it it, it leads off with the GM asking a question, anonymous GM, but like, why do we have to be here? That was the GM's question. And it's, it's basically become a show, just like the NFL draft. It's become a show in and of itself, a reality show where, I mean, you watch three years of game tape, in most cases four years of game tape on players, how how they do the cone drill, how they, you know, none of that matters. You know the results in games. You know whether a player, that's how you gauge a player. What's the dude's name, Mike Mamula, that, whose tests were off the charts that year, and, and he became like the the uh, the poster child for having a great combine, but not really having <laughs> NFL, well, not NFL talent, but not really being a great player. Yeah. So, yeah, the NFL is king of making stories, making making us interested in stuff that shouldn't be that interesting. CL, maybe there's a point there. First of all, with the ESPN.com thing, you know, I still have a grudge for personal reasons against ESPN.com. I'm not going to go there. But anyway, listen. listen. That's brotherhood. Yes. Yeah, there you go. That's having your back as a brother. Although you want me not to do that. But, uh, hey, listen. The, the combine, I think when it comes to certain drills, it is very instrumental. In fact, it's the same reason they have a pro day. It's the same thing. Whoever the anonymous GM was, don't go. That's what I said. Don't go. Don't go and see how that works out for you. CL. It should fine. Quinnen Williams. Quinn, I, that's just, when I look at him, that's the way I want to say it. Quinnen Williams. Seeing him run the 40. Oh, my words. And you don't see that in the game, CL. Exactly. You're never gonna. You're no, never no, no. gonna run forty as a as a lineman. You're not gonna run forty yards that fast. Need to run forty yards that fast. Yes, you do. Sideline to sideline. <laughs> like, why? No. They're gonna put him on kickoff. They're gonna put Quentin Williams on kickoff for duty. He's gonna come out and just destroy like a whole horde of people. Now listen, sideline to sideline, that speed becomes apparent. And also, when you know when something turns a corner and you're you're chasing you want to see what kind of speed somebody the guy improved his speed his 4 five forty, from the first one to the second one against his agents his agents said don't run it you, you did it he ran it again and improved it he's 300 pounds uh, 6 feet who knows what the guy is incredible seeing things like that I think make it worthwhile and make it something that is that is is usable that you can use the information from I don't think it's just a a hoax or something? I'd rather see him bulldoze a, 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 an opponent. And that, to me, would be like, oh, this guy can play. Well, so pro days for you? Yeah, pretty much. Really? If I, if I was, 
pro day combine, that would be like maybe five percent of how I judge the player. Oh yeah. That yeah. that that yeah. would maybe factor. Maybe. Sure. But the overwhelming I trust what I saw in games and on tapes, that's what to me would be like, okay, this because a combine isn't putting you in a situation of fourth and goal with five seconds left on the clock or whatever, or whatever the situation is, this is your last time. Yeah, you got to score here. Yeah. A playoff berth is on the line. Uh, a bowl berth is on the line when your school has never had one. Whatever. Right. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. But there is pressure, though. You got the pressure of everybody watching you. Your stuff is up on the board, and and all these teams are watching you. You're going to be interviewed. It's look, see how would you make the how would you make comparisons? That's what it is. Oh, we already know. Started on generally, the interviews. We are, <laughs> we already know in general like who we're interested in as a team. So when you want to you know parse them out, who who stood out, who did this that we value. Especially well, I think that's where it's helpful. Not for me. I mean, you, you know, when you're looking at the college tapes and stuff, you gotta you gotta consider who they're playing against and all that thing. But when you get in the combine, it's an even, it's a level playing field. Well, you're not playing against anybody. That's the problem. You're just yeah, running drills, right? But if you're if you're playing against somebody, if you're if you're playing, you know, uh, Alabama is playing the school of the poor or whatever. That, that that's different than Khalil Mack at Buffalo playing. Um, I don't know uh, somebody that's way above, like Michigan, somebody that was above their their water and doing doing extremely well. Well, you're not going to draft a running back who ran for 300 yards against the Sisters of the Poor just because <laughs> they did it in that game. You want to see how they did it against Clemson or Bama or whoever, Michigan or Ohio State. You you know what I mean? So again, I just go back to it's. It's it's just a show, man. It's just a show. If I was an agent with a client who who had established himself on the field, I'd skip the combine. Well, and, and many do. So there you have it. You know, I, I did want to mention this. The, the alliance keeps coming up. The Alliance of American Football. The reports are that Bill Polian, you know, one of the heads of football development and operations, has been meeting. He's, he said it. Polian said it. He's been meeting with the NFL already. CL, this season, their season is only half over. But their, their ratings continue to improve and continue to hold water. That's rare for, for a new league. They're holding water. And... He's meeting with the NFL about potentially receiving some of their backup quarterbacks, and what I read was lower half of their roster, whatever, however that, whatever that means, and also developmental squad. You know, the practice squad. That's amazing that they're already getting that. Well, that is uh, that's kind of the foresight you need if you're a new league like this to to be viable long term. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for for supporters of the league, that is a great sign that they're that they're already kind of taking that step. And I mean, wouldn't it be interesting if long term? And I mean, long term here, if it get, got to a point where it was a real farm system. So, what if a high schooler no longer had to go to college to play? They could Ooh. go straight into the AAF. 
or whatever right, farm yeah. league. Yeah. It, it's just an interesting thing. Like I, I'm all about freedom of choice, man. <laughs> right now, college football is the feeder system to the pros. It's, sure. it's de facto minor league system for the pros. Yeah, lots of you know. One thing I want to preempt a conversation that we would we would have had, and that is whether or not I was going to watch the XFL because I think initially I was going to say no, but CL. They've just done something that would guarantee not only that I watch them, but that I cheer for a Seattle team again. They hired Jim Zorn as the coach oh, I did see that, of the yeah. Seattle XFL team. That's I, You know what? See, I meant to ask you, who's the first player that you remember? You're like, you're like the godfather. They keep pulling me back in. <laughs> what? The guy who? The godfather. That's what I thought I got out. They keep pulling me back in. <laughs> I meant to ask you who the first person you remember me cheering for was in football, the very first person. Um, it, it would have been one of them, either Jim Zorn, Steve Largent, or uh, what was his name? Sherman, Sherman Smith. Smith, yeah. Who, who these days, he, he, he means a lot, too, as much as those other guys. But it was Zorn. It was Zorn. I've always really liked that guy. So that'll be fun to watch. That'll be fun to watch. But, hey, we got to keep moving because we got more to talk about in the form of the brownout. It's going to be right here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Let's just kick it right now. It's time for the brownout. The brownout. LeBron James surpassed Michael Jordan on the NBA all-time scoring list. Which resume would you rather have, MJ or LBJ? What about UCL? What resume would you rather have? You know what? I'm going to say LBJ. Oh, no. You know why? Because his resume hasn't ended yet. He still has a chance to add on to it. He still could get to another finals. Obviously, that's not going to happen this year <laughs> with the Lakers. But um, they're going to make some moves, I'm sure, in the offseason, in the draft. And uh, he's gonna. we're going to see him in the finals again. I, I feel pretty confident saying that. Well, he'd have to be in the finals a number of times to catch up with MJ's resume. I'll take MJ any day of any week. Kansas' streak of 14 straight Big 12 titles has come to an end this season. What's the longest streak you've had of doing anything? So, yes, what is the longest streak you've ever had, Chris? Oh, well, I had to say, I'd like to say it's like uh, hitting hitting threes in games or something. But no, it's, <laughs> or rather, I'd like to say catching foot touchdown passes. But it's actually, um, I'd say I went, I went 49 years without drinking. And those four... Uh, in Chapel Hill, that's a, that's a feat right there. <laughs> but no, yeah, I went 49. I, my, my wife and my 10th anniversary when we were in Scotland, and I finally took a sip of something, just a sip, to celebrate. Kids, remember that. It was to celebrate. It wasn't just going wild. You know, I couldn't come up with a, a, a definitive how long year stretch, but I thought it was pretty impressive um, that I went probably a good 12, 13 years of always having Mob Deep, the infamous, the CD in my car and playing. And I say it's impressive that one album could keep my attention for that long and always be in a playlist. But to me, it was just like a perfect app from start to finish. I could listen to every song through. It had the adrenaline songs. I knew every word. Like it, it just, nice. it was, it was a great blend. 
Nice. And <laughs> and folks, he had multiple cars over that period, just so you know. He had both, it wasn't one car, one like beater or something like that. Next question. Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray's combine interviewing skills were questioned by former general manager Charlie Casserly. Is the criticism warranted? Is the criticism warranted? Well, uh, a story came out that Charlie Casserly actually trains quarterbacks. Oh, well, actually, it wasn't specific to quarterbacks, but he trains uh, players for interviews at the Combines. And apparently Kyler Murray was not one of his clients. So to me, this just screams conflict of interest. And Castle is wrong, listen to me, to even bring that out. Would have to agree with you. Come on now. Why, why take a shot at this young man's character like that? Everybody loves him, and he's going to make some fan base extremely happy uh, come the fall. It's going to be fun to watch. That's my opinion. CL, we're out of time. But speaking of trying to make the fan base happy, that's what we've done, and that's what we always do. So please keep with us as we enter this March Madness and other things. We'll be back next week as well. My name is Chris Brown. I'm CL Brown. And this is Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill.